This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, November 1st, in 1968. The Motion Picture Association of America officially introduced a rating system for all films produced under the auspices of the MPAA. The very idea of a film rating system was to give a heads up to audiences about what content might be in the movies they were expecting to see. And more than that, it was a warning to parents. It was saying this is what is appropriate for your children. There are basic guidelines. Upon its introduction, the rating system had four ratings. G, M, R, and X. The G rating was general. M was supposed to be added for some mature. R was basically restricted for adults. And X was supposed to be that this was only allowable for any adults at all. It was too much. This very basic system was actually revolutionary. The very idea of a rating system changed the very way that Hollywood worked. And the signal that Hollywood was changing in the 60s, and that in particular, the Motion Picture Association of America would go along with it, was the hiring in 1966 of Jack Valenti as president of the Motion Picture Association of America. The Motion Picture Association of America is a trade association. And its very idea was not to say every single company that makes movies in America will be under the auspices of the MPAA, but rather that it's for the major Hollywood studios. Exactly what a major Hollywood studio was would change throughout the history of the MPAA, but when it was founded as the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America in 1922, it was there for the MGMs, the 20th Century Foxes, the Warner Brothers, and it would continue to be the power player for the big studios. And in the 20s, as they were figuring out exactly what they needed to do, part of why they decided to band together to promote their own interests was that there was a sense throughout America that in some ways motion pictures were going a bit too far. Movies were the frontier. You could literally do anything. There were no rules. It was still the era of silent films, but what you portrayed in them seemed almost limitless. There were enough technological advances that real action movies had taken place almost as soon as movies had become popular two decades earlier. And so faced with a number of ideas about what should happen, the Motion Picture Association of America came together and hired the former postmaster, General Will Hayes, to be its first president. Will Hayes was heavily involved in Republican politics. He had helped lead the campaign that got Warren G. Harding elected president. And that is why he was given the post of postmaster general. However, he was tarnished by many of the scandals of the Harding White House, most notably the famous Teapot Dome scandal. But he was already in Hollywood. And Hayes' background suggested that his best skill would be essentially having a veneer of respectability. He was a Presbyterian elder, a very serious man, and one of his first tasks was to say what exactly can be shown. The MPAA was trying to say that the movie industry was as respectable as any other industry, such as steel or tobacco. And part of why they needed this was 
The series of scandals was famously the Fatty Arbuckle scandal, in which the comic actor was accused of the rape and murder of Virginia Rapp, although he never actually was convicted. And to try and create some sort of standards, working closely with a Catholic group at first, Hayes would introduce a production code. In fact, it would be known as the Hayes Code. And upon its introduction in 1930, Hayes was almost giddy. He said, my eyes nearly popped out when I read it. And the code was quite strict. It said, not only on sort of evolving from the general tips that had always been put out by the MPAA, that profanity couldn't be said, there could be no nudity, there was not supposed to be any sexual scenes or even references to, quote, sex perversion, white slavery, miscegenation, scenes of childbirth. These were absolutely banned. But there were also sort of guidelines about how to show certain criminal acts, a respect for the flag and the nation. But these were not actually spelled out. In 1929, Hayes got his code, largely thanks to a man named Martin Quigley, who edited the Motion Picture Herald and was a devout Catholic who worked with a Jesuit priest named Daniel Lord. The code started with sort of a sense of general principles that essentially said, first, no motion picture will lower the moral standards of anyone who sees it. Also, that the correct standards of life should be presented and that there shouldn't be a celebration of criminal activity. Then there were some specific things that were said could not be done. Nudity, illegal drug use, any ridicule of religion or ridicule of clergy, any references to homosexual activity, any miscegenation, and any excessive and lustful kissing. At first, these were sort of said to be enforced. And yet from 1930 to 1934, some of the boldest, riskiest movies made in Hollywood were produced. This was the early talkie era. People tried to say anything. And what Hayes could do was basically say, please don't, I will try to have this. And then in 1934, various boycotts, particularly from Catholic groups, but also other religious groups, meant that real enforcement began of the code. And the man who first stepped in was Joseph Breen. Breen effectively became the censor for Hollywood. He was a public relations man who was a devout Roman Catholic. And he started changing everything. His first real note was getting rid of nude images for the character of Jane and Tarzan and his mate, in which a body double stood in for Maureen O'Sullivan. And for years, the production code would be the thing that really enforced moral standards on Hollywood. And it was imposed by the Motion Picture Association of America. Hollywood was doing it to itself. And so when people went to the movies, which were increasingly becoming one of the main cultural forces in America, they would not see sex. They would not see mentions of certain controversial topics. Anytime that criminality was mentioned, the criminals had to either repent or be seen as beyond saving. The strict moral code of the production code really filtered out, and yet there were always people working away at it. After World War II in particular, various foreign films were able to come in, partly because the Motion Picture Association of America only had authority over the major studios, and also because Whereas when the production code was first introduced in the 30s, studios controlled movie theaters across the country. In 1948, the case United States v. Paramount Pictures said that this violated antitrust laws. So now theaters could show whatever they wanted. And they decided to show various foreign films. Increasingly throughout Europe, film production was blossoming. 
and in the wake of World War II, they were pushing boundaries in ways that no American films were. The 1950s saw darker movies, most notably from Alfred Hitchcock and Otto Priminger, who tellingly were not American-born. Priminger would push the boundaries with sex, Hitchcock often with violence, but both would challenge in a number of ways. Priminger often would satirize the very notion of moral values. Hitchcock, meanwhile, took a technical approach to pushing the boundaries of the code. In his 1946 film Notorious, he had his two stars, Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman, kiss for over two and a half minutes, violating the three-second rule that couples could only kiss for about three seconds so they wouldn't be too passionate. He literally had their lips disengage every three seconds, and then they would return to kissing each other. Made the whole effect more sensual. And so as the 60s came about, the production code seemed ridiculous. People were trying to violate it, and there were even movies like Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot that never actually received the stamp of approval of the production code, but still became a hit because they were allowed to be released anyway. And so in the 1960s, after the passing of Eric Johnston, the man who replaced Will Hayes as president of the Motion Picture Association of America, and in fact gave it that name, there was a brief interim period with no president. That was until 1966 when Jack Valenti was hired. Valenti was the son of Italian immigrants from Texas who had first made a name in advertising. But Valenti found his real strength in working first with Senate Majority Leader Lyndon Johnson and then actually following him all the way to the White House. And Valenti was in fact on the plane from Dallas to Washington when Lyndon Johnson was sworn in. And Valenti is in the photograph famously, of Lyndon Johnson being sworn in as president. He was that close to Johnson. He was an effective salesman. He was a liaison between the Johnson administration and Republican congressional leadership. And it was this skill that made the MPAA want him, in particular, the head of Universal Studios, Lou Wasserman. And so Jack Valenti came to take over the Motion Picture Association of America. He was exactly what Hollywood needed at the time. There were new young directors appealing to a youth culture that was increasingly separating itself from its parents' tastes. The influence of foreign films meant that things had to change, and one of the things he tackled was the production code. He knew he couldn't quite deal with the production code, and he started backing off of the code almost instantly. In 1966, he faced his first challenge with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Warner Brothers' adaptation of the Edward Albee play. Valenti said that the word screw couldn't be said in the movie, but that the phrase hump the hostess could and officially it got production code approval. And so really, the code was well on its way to dying. But there was a sense that you couldn't just get rid of the production code, and Hollywood could send out whatever it wanted. A preview for an Alfred Hitchcock film might not necessarily show that it is about murder, and that there is a mystery. Certainly, Psychos did, but something like North by Northwest could have been seen as an adventure romp. Yet it made clear to audiences what was going on. And that was the idea of the rating system. It might not have worked exactly as wanted initially. The real problem became with the X rating. Initially, it was supposed to basically say, this is for a very limited kind of adult audience. R needed some restrictions, but parents could say, perhaps it is good for teenagers to maybe see it if they understand the level of violence or sexual content. X quickly was adopted by pornographic theaters, and so the early X-rated films, like Midnight Cowboy, perhaps got more of a reputation than they deserve for their content. 
Also, the use of G and M and R wasn't really helpful. There needed to be some more gradations. General audiences could mean literally anyone could go in with any age child. Something maybe for seven-year-olds and not for three-year-olds needed to be marked specially. So there was the introduction of the PG rating for parental guidance. And then finally, PG-13 would be added in the 1980s. By 1990, X was changed to NC-17 to get away from the sense of pornographic material possibly being on the screen, although the NC-17 rating would still have a stigma. Essentially, doing what the production code had always done, saying certain things are not allowed for certain audiences. But it didn't stop those films from coming out, and it lacked censorship. Jack Valenti would actually take the MPAA from the 1960s into the 70s and all the way through into the 21st century. He would only retire in 2004. He was essentially the head of a Washington trade group, but he would split his time between Washington and Hollywood. He was a man who was selling the motion picture industry. And he knew in order to do that appropriately, the production code was outdated. The idea of censoring movies was passe, and that something else needed to happen. And so Jack Valenti decided to introduce a film rating system, which is what happened today, November 1st, in 1968. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and leave a review because those are the ways that you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure, and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, please go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.